Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here, hanging out with Fernando. Hello, Ben. And Travis Irvine. Hello, Ben. Thank you all so much for listening. Hope you're doing well out there. Another fantastic episode for you. Why did the CIA chief go to China? We'll discuss it wasn't for the ramen. We'll also get you updated on the culture war nonsense happening all over this country. A little bit on Ron DeSantis. We'll hear some sound from the man and a group that is a little bit concerned about his run. Interesting perspective. Something we'll cover. We'll do that much more. But before all of that, Joe Biden, he gave a speech and he was speaking to the Air Force. Unfortunately, gravity won. He did fall. (laughs) This was another fall for Joe. Joe Biden, I believe his third this year, At least. and they look worse and worse each time. This one involved a sandbag because you know how tricky they are to get around. They're so <laughs> fast and uh, <laughs> they're always ready to trip you up. <laughs> anyway, the speech itself was fine, but Joe Biden, man, what about the optics? Do you remember when Hillary fell one time Ooh. after the 9-11 memorial and yeah. everyone thought she was then cloned everyone's like that's not real hillary notice when she went back and met with her daughter chelsea look at the woman that comes down that's not hillary joe has done it now three times and at some point the american people we are a visual bunch Mm -hmm. when it comes to Mm -hmm. politics Mm. simple visual aids uh you look at why nixon lost to jfk he didn't look the part of president what do you guys think from a uh, political perspective? I know, yes, old man falls. We've seen that before. <laughs> but mostly when old man gets up, he's not the president of the United <laughs> States. Right. This is Jerry Ford, like 5.0. Because of yes, Jerry Gerald Ford, one time he fell up the stairs. <laughs> up the and stairs. he was an actual athlete in Michigan. <laughs> exactly. He was a star football player. And he was a spry 60-whatever back then. And you got Joe on the on gearing in towards 80 years old and oh he's my. falling off bikes and he's tripping over. Yes, those tricky sandbags. It's not good optics. And again, I, I said to you guys before the show, if this literally keeps happening, and even every few weeks, even once a month on the yeah. road to the election. Oh, baby, th- these are the types of things that cost votes. Mm-hmm. They do. And, you know, kind of to take this seriously, there is a lot of people saying that Joe Biden 2024 is Kamala Harris 2025. What exactly? Because they're uh-huh. assuming oh, wow. that he might mm-hmm. die. Oh, my and God. This is what happens right. when you're old. All of us have a Nana or a Papa. At some point, they go down. They don't come back up. They got a broken hip. They get staph infection. And two weeks later, they're dead. They're out. So this plays into that narrative. 
And I don't think it's really beneficial for the Democratic Party as a whole, specifically when it comes to the federal office of president. Especially the Democratic Party of Dianne Feinstein, President Biden. They're not looking young and spry. None of them are. The party of the youth. And uh, what was her name? Pelosi, Big Boo Pelosi. I couldn't remember her name. There you go. Now you got it. That's her name, yeah. But but, uh, I was reminded in a conversation yesterday with a, a friend that up until... Trump, he Trump was the oldest at that point, right? right Apparently, yeah, yes, yes, yes. And then, so I mean, the pendulum just swung way too far. And yes. I again, I've said it before that it's an ageism thing, and it's more an attack on Miss Harris, Vice President Harris, when sure. we say Biden is too old. What you just said right now, I, I don't know. And then again, we don't see her as a good vice president, so she's probably not going to be the greatest. Well, the the polling data doesn't seem to be supporting her very well. And, uh, you know, given her sort of what appears to be inability to connect with people again, it's a former prosecutor, a former senator, not someone that is, you know, used to the barroom talking that oftentimes presidents brag that they have the ability to do. This is according to Ben LaBolt. This is what LaBolt wrote, he says, and Ben LaBolt is the White House communications director. Mm. He wrote, he's fine. Okay. There was a, <laughs> he wrote, he's fine. There was a sandbag on stage while he was shaking hands. Okay. Uh-huh. You got it. Right. How are we going to go through World War III if our president can't navigate a sandbag? Uh, it just, I tell you, that sandbag just sandbagged the entire Biden campaign right there. <laughs> I mean, he could have said anything. He could have given the most poignant speech. He could have been the most articulate. None of that yes. did happen. Mm-hmm. But right. let's say that did occur. And next thing you know, he's on his ass because of a sandbag. If Obama gave his very uh, grandiose, in many ways, beautiful speech mm-hmm. after he won the nomination, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if he would have fallen out of sandbag right afterwards, right, we were right. like, oh, uh, uh, never mind. Like, <laughs> this is the stuff from just a basic you look at a meme, you look at a picture, mm-hmm. and you see the right, president on right. his ass. You see his butt crack. You see the shirts. You see, you know, his jacket is, uh, you know, ruffled up. You see him being picked up by a secret service and in the eyes of the American people. Again, competency mm. is on the ballot. And right, I think a lot of people right. are going to see this and be like, we need other options, which, again, is why Marianne Williamson is trending at 9%. Right. <laughs> and RFK Jr. hovering around 20, far better for both of them than anyone thought, because Joe can't beat a sandbag. Joe can't right. stand straight. And it's like you said, we're a visual society. But also keep in mind what what crust translates across the oceans. Images like this. You could right. be mm-hmm. in any one mm-hmm. of the countries that hate America or even if they like America. You just play right. this clip on loop and then throw in the bike clip as well. I mean, eventually the visual images of the American president falling down all the time. You just play them on loop over and over and right. over. And it transcends language. It transcends the mental capacity. Again, it's just now, a bad visual image for America. Now, of course, the U.S. can just shoot back with a couple of images from Hiroshima and Nagasaki and be like, oh, yeah. we're still strong. By the way, I'm, sh- I'm sure you guys are listening to the Manhattan Project series we have just started on last podcast on the left. Ooh. It's going to be so exciting to get into it. So, yes, strongest military in the world. But when it comes to optics, it ain't great. This is according to David Axelrod. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a former senior advisor. I'm sure you guys know to Obama. He says, I think Biden has a very credible record to run on. The way they navigated the debt ceiling negotiations shows value of the experience. His argue about wisdom is a real argument. He goes on to say, but obviously there is liability when it comes to age. Incidents like these 
are going to be blown up. They're going to be seen as greater concerns uh, than it would be if they were 20 or 30 years younger. This Mm. is a burden he is going to have to overcome. This is going to be an ongoing challenge. And one of the things with age is time keeps on ticking. Not in the past. It's only going forward. Mm -hmm. He ain't getting younger. He ain't no Benjamin Button. This is three-fourths into a first term, and he's seeking, you know, a whole nother five, four years after. So exactly. it's, mm, I don't know. It's going to be tricky. And I think he's just got to get like glue traps, <laughs> maybe glue traps, just well, something. Even Honestly, I'm not even exaggerating. If put, go in a wheelchair or he does. Yeah, exactly. Be in a okay. wheel, I mean, exactly. you're 80 yeah. years old. Might, bro, yeah. Going away. FDR was in one. Right. People have been in wheelchairs before. Right. Um, it's being in a wheelchair. Governor Abbott's been doing it for a long yeah, freaking time yep, in Texas. Yep, yep. Mm. It's a better optic than falling on a sandbag in front of the Air Force. Optics is the most important thing to me because uh, what of what of what we're saying of the point of this. Because who's always falling and we're always making jokes about him falling down the stairs and shitting himself? Putin. Yeah. But <laughs> is there any video? No. No. There's never any video. There's Just so there's whispers. literally no exactly. There's no way for us to prove it, but we still use it even without video. We still use it as a great talking point as to the weakness and the failure of Russia. Obviously, our enemies are going to do this too. And uh, the, either we put him in a wheelchair, Ben, or we just don't film him anymore the way they do with Putin. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously the, the partisans are coming out as well. Kate Bedenfield, who uh, LeBolt replaced as communications director, tweeted a couple of times after the incident. She says, I know I personally have never, ever tripped over anything a day in my life. Not once. Oh, I'm sure these skink. top Democrats haven't either. Mountain goats, these folks. So the people are making fun of Joe from the right. And obviously the left is looking at the issues of age, a little bit concern over the um, liability that it it certainly has become for Joe Biden. Yeah, a lot of collar tugging, a lot of color. White House. They put out a statement. It's just them tugging their collars. It just reminds me of the TV show Veep as well. All of this stuff is comical, Mm -hmm. if not again taken. So uh, it is quite serious as well. Taken the context. They took it too serious. They didn't even like shoot. They didn't film the sandbag. They didn't show the trip because they wanted to keep his dignity, which which bothers me because then it doesn't look like he didn't trip over anything. At least show yeah. the sandbag. Show well, he, the adversary. He, you know? he yeah. trips and then he points at the sandbag like sandbag did it. Corn pop. And then. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't yeah, classic know. Bit. I, now, don't forget yeah. all the Jerry Ford tripping around led to the brilliant comedic career of Chevy Chase. That's all he That's did on Saturday Night Live for a whole year. <laughs> And uh, I believe Jim Carrey plays Joe Biden, one of the greatest physical comedians <laughs> of all time. Hilarious, man. So uh, perhaps he can get something out of it. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, let's move on to a few policy things. NYC, they had a massive immigration influx, given what happened in Texas. Initially, they put the uh, immigrants in the schools, which was a horrible decision. I found that to be absolutely important. How are kids going to learn when they have this entire 
other very important social movement happening in the within gym. their classrooms <laughs> in the gymnasium. So NYC is now prepping 500 cots for migrants to be held at the JFK mail warehouse. This makes more sense to me. Is it perfect? No, but that's what happens when you have an influx of nearly 500 people. Uh, 500 cots have been set up and ready to use as a, uh, in the large warehouse at JFK International Airport, that, of course, is in Queens. It is constantly under construction. Maybe the 45,000 asylum seekers can get jobs and start working immediately uh, to finish the goddamn airport because it has been under construction since we moved there 15 years ago <laughs> wow. and since we've left three years ago. So New York City is bursting now with 45,800 asylum seekers in 170 emergency sites. Uh, they have been set up across the five boroughs. An additional 4,800 asylum seekers arrived at the city shelters over these past two weeks alone. So they're going to have to do something. And uh, this seems to me like one of the more reasonable ways to do it. You have a lot of space. It's an Air Force base. Uh, I'm sorry. It's a uh, it's a mail uh, storage. Facility, it's, yeah. a, it's a you know an airplane base. So uh, maybe this is uh, the best solution at the time, but certainly not an easy humanitarian crisis. Oh, no. uh, there are currently nine humanitarian emergency response and relief centers open in the city, and three thousand other sites remain under consideration. Uh, I am not a fan of Eric Adams. I currently he has a war on beef, which makes no sense considering how many issues New York has. <laughs> I will give him a little grace on this issue because when you do have an influx of that many immigrants into your city, yeah. it is going to be an issue Insane. and it's going to be a problem yeah. and there needs to be some solutions. This to me is at least a step in the right direction. And of course, assimilation, integration, some deportation, I would assume as well, mm -hmm. but we need a path to citizenship. And these people uh, need to be treated as humane, as humanly possible. And we just need to figure out how do they work with the milieu of America. Immigration ties also into our next story because immigrants have been the working class of this country since mm -hmm. this country was founded. Clarence Thomas, he has a new opinion. In this new opinion, it's not law, but it is his thoughts it would basically erode all child labor laws. Yeah. So Clarence <laughs> Thomas, and of course, again, more children working, less immigrants working, <laughs> less children in it, and less children oh. learning, uh, you know, whatever it might be. It's not the right answer. So Thomas lays out his approach. This is a, a case that is involved. It's Sackett versus the EPA. And this is what Thomas had to say. He says the minimum wage, federal laws protecting the right to unionize, bans on workplace discrimination, and nearly all other regulations of the workplace are unconstitutional. What? Uh, can, that's what he says. Whoa. Um, this particular opinion is uh, really fascinating because what it would do again is get rid of all federal ban on child labor. He says the federal ban on child labor is unconstitutional. Oh, my God. So. What? We have the situation of hardline anti-immigrants, anti-immigration. We're going to play some DeSantis sound here in a second. He brings back the fantastic term aliens, and we're not talking UFOs. <laughs> How small is your worldview if you think Mexicans are aliens? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it just goes to show you again this retro world that we're living in where the past seems to be coming back to become the present and 
what in the world are they thinking, especially Clarence Thomas? I don't want to bring race into it, but let's bring poverty into it. Yes. The man grew up dead ass broke. Yes. Very, very poor. And I just don't understand why he's turning his back on you know, federal minimum wages. I mean, what are we talking about here? We already, you've discussed the uh, head of Applebee's chains bragging about how inflation mm-hmm. is great mm-hmm. because then people need to work more jobs. They'll right. work more hours for less pay. It seems as if we have one side fighting for a $15 minimum wage and then the Supreme Court coming in, representing, I suppose, the right in this case, saying that let's get rid of it as a whole. I'm not sure if that's the right answer here. Right. I mean, this is, you're absolutely right. It's corporatocracy in action. They own the court. I mean, as we've discussed in the last few weeks, as it's becoming clearer and clearer who not just Clarence Thomas's rich pals are, but several other of the justices as well. I mean, and it's like we've said in this show over and over, it's just undoing over a hundred years of precedent. And completely tossing aside the lessons of the Gilded Age. Again, like we've said on the show, the early 1900s, that was the the decades of muckraking journalism, you know, the the coal miners dying, unions forming, fighting for workers' rights, fighting for the 40-hour work week, just simple things like that that we've had in place for almost 100 years. And here we are, again, we're just a single man in a black robe turning back the clocks a hundred years and calling it unconstitutional saying a hundred years of these laws are just unconstitutional. It's really interesting. So the Supreme court imposed strict new limits on the clean water act. That is the decision in Sackett versus the EPA. This would, uh, basically do away with the government's ability to um, stop water pollution, uh, including major waterways such as the Mississippi River and the Chesapeake Bay. As we've seen when this does happen, speaking of corporatocracies in Flint, Michigan and many other places all across this country, it leads to poisonous water. What do you do then? You make water a commodity and you sell it back to the people at a premium, Wow! which again makes people have less money in their bank accounts for things that they need, now we've got to go to the proverbial corporate well every morning, mm. pay 50 bucks for water for the day, right? and you start off in the mm-hmm. red. Mm-hmm. So what Thomas wants to do is go back to a pre-New Deal. This is what he has to say. Uh, Thomas's opinion is an attack on what he calls the New Deal era conceptions of Congress's commerce power. Thomas argues that the court should return to the narrow understanding of Congress's power to regulate the national economy that it followed in Hammer versus Dagenhart, and that took place in 1918. So to your point, Travis, it is 100 years, 105 years he wants to take us back in the past. Um, I just don't understand why we're here. Right. There's so many issues facing this country. Mm -hmm. And the idea that children aren't working long enough hours in fast food restaurants or in woodworking shops is not one of the problems I think we had. It's really they're making it up. It's he made it. He made it to the top and now he's pulling out the gate behind him. You know, he's closing the gate behind him because uh, what would that what would have meant to him to not be able to get an education as a child? 
I mean, you know, he wasn't forced to work. <laughs> exactly. Even in the poverty he lived in, I, uh, the, what, from my understanding, is he was still able to get an education. The civil rights uh, bills that were passed were one of the key reasons why he got an education. Exactly. Wow. And yeah. so he's basically undoing what brought him to where he was. He's undoing it for anyone after him. Hmm. It's really, uh, you know, we talk about that with immigrants. Sometimes when you get here, you get the green card, you give everyone else the red card. You say, get the fuck out. Yeah. I got mine. Yeah, I got mine. P- pulling the ladder up. And that does seem to be exactly what this is in the worst possible way, because this is sadly the Supreme Court has become part of the legislative body. And I don't they they were not supposed to be right. The judiciary is not supposed to make the laws, but they're supposed to interpret them. Right. Yes. But in interpreting them, they're basically saying how they can be used. And therefore, although they are not making them, they are making them either obsolete or very, very relevant. And in this case, he's basically taking. A hundred plus years of legislation of laws that were designed to protect children from working, to protect working people. And he's making them, as he's arguing, obsolete. It's just bizarre because also precedent. It seems like they just pick and choose whatever precedent they want to set as precedent. And of course, (laughs) that's why they did away with Roe. Uh, Yes. Right. And it's not their kids. It's something I always talk about. Maybe uh, you've heard that, that the the school that Clarence Thomas sent his kid to actually might be forcing them to do free hard labor, whatever that aside. <laughs> I know that's up to him. That, that's, if you're, that's up to the parents and the child. Right. Oh. But that being said, it's not their kids being affected by these laws because their kids are not going to be forced into working. Their right. kids are fine. Yep. The, you know, exactly. So. It's just, a, a, again, another way to uh, punish people who are struggling to make ends meet. And the idea of doing away with the federal minimum wage is just so counter to what the conversation has been nationally, right? which has been at most, at most conservative, keep it at seven, whatever. (laughs) And then again, people going as far as saying $30, $15 and so on and so forth. So talk about being out of freaking touch Uh, just quickly before we get to Governor DeSantis. This is his big time to shine. This is his state of Florida, Jacksonville perhaps in a sign of things to come for uh, Governor DeSantis. They have elected their first female mayor. They have also flipped the long-held Republican seat to the Democrats, which is kind of interesting. In Jacksonville, Donna Deegan is now going to be their mayor. Um, This is the first female mayor that has ever been in Jacksonville. And uh, we'll see if this is an indictment on Governor DeSantis a man who won that state overwhelmingly. But now it seems as if people within his own state are saying, well, maybe let's look at the different uh, at the different color. And uh, because DeSantis is making me feel a little blue, mm. why don't we vote that way, too? Not only that, apparently six months ago, Duval County, where she's from, this county mostly voted for DeSantis. Interesting. He, he had like a 12 percent lead over the Democratic opponent. So that's that's crazy. In six months, he basically turned his whole base against him. It <laughs> does seem as if he is uh, his political capital seems to be waning. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he's at the poker table, it seems like he went all in on a couple of bad hands mm-hmm. in the river and the flop didn't work out the way that he wanted it to. Putting and all it, over the cards. <laughs> yeah, it, seem, it seems as if he is. Uh, he's definitely holding less chips than he was a month, two, three months ago. Right. And this, I think, indicates that Florida still has those swing state tendencies, right? This is what swing states do when things... Or at least swing swing cities, maybe. Well, that's what I'm saying. As a whole, it, when things yeah. go too far to the left or go too far to the right, that's when you start to see the cities start to change over first. 
Now, in the opposite of what DeSantis would like to see happening, uh, breaking out more in the federal and the national uh, conversation here, Donald Trump, his lead has increased. This is according to a Yahoo News slash YouGov survey. They found that Donald Trump now leads DeSantis by 28 percentage points. Uh, That is at 53 percent to DeSantis is 25 percent to bring that to the left. DeSantis is only 5% higher than RFK Jr. And (laughs) people are acting as if DeSantis is a front runner. He's not. It's not happening. I'm not a front runner yet. You're not nothing. You're not nothing. It shows you, again, the media narrative around DeSantis. It's imploding in front of our eyes because he is not doing well. It's going down. The poll numbers are going down. He's not ready for prime time. We're going to play a couple of clips that just make him sound like an asshole. Yep. Mm. And if you're Donald Trump, this is some great freaking news to you. Tim Scott's polling at 3%, along with Vivek Ramswamy, whose whole thing was making it more difficult to vote. Uh, Larry Elder got 1% of the uh, the uh, vote support in this poll. Asa Hutchinson, 1%. We're dealing with one to three percent. Other than that, it's twenty five percent and fifty three percent. I don't think it's possible for the Republicans not to nominate Donald Trump. I mean, and then Marianne Williamson like lights some crystals and prays, and he loses more points. I mean, hell, Marianne <laughs> is triple what Vivek is, Tim Scott is, and Nikki Haley. Yeah, she's at nine percent. And I hear their names way more on television than Absolutely. I do Marianne. Absolutely. Wow. So. If you're DeSantis, my God, buddy, you are dropping the ball. Why is he dropping the ball? Well, he's having a difficulty connecting with the American (laughs) people when he speaks. I want to point to this before we get to some sound from uh, DeSantis to sort of prove that point. Autism advocates are not excited (laughs) because obviously you hear a lot of people talking about DeSantis and they might say the words on the spectrum. Right. So I do want to, I do want to give a little bit of love to my autistic people, my autistic friends and family. Um, I don't want this election to be an indictment on autism. Right. (laughs) Because DeSantis certainly is uh, showing certain signs of inability to connect with people Mm -hmm. that some people also infer might make him autistic. Right. So there's some issues. And I did just, I thought it was interesting. Jessica Benham, the state legislator in Pennsylvania, uh, she's the co-founder of the Pittsburgh Center for uh, Autistic Advocacy. She has been discussing um, Ron DeSantis and obviously people's conversations around Ron DeSantis and she hasn't been super thrilled with some of the nomenclature, specifically Steve Bannon on his show War Room. He was one of the first people to say that Ron DeSantis is, quote, 100 percent on the spectrum. Oh, man. Uh, Classic Bannon. Pro-Trump activist Laura Loomer says, can we finally talk about this? Again, referring to uh, DeSantis is on the spectrum. And then the CFO of Bannon's War Room podcast called uh, Ron DeSantis. Ronda Spectrum. I know that might stick, but again, we have to separate the two. So uh, I, I just thought that was kind of an interesting mm-hmm. conversation. Uh, and this is uh, from a political article. Um, this is a, another tweet that came from the former president. Trump does it bigger, better and with heart. Unlike that guy on the spectrum. Mm. So those attacks will be happening. Reminds me a bit of Mitt Romney when, a lot of people who thought themselves very open-minded on religion, then all of a sudden just constantly made fun of his Mormon roots. Right. Yeah. When you're running for office, you're exposed right. personally, 
privately, politically, mm-hmm. every which way. But uh, we do, we will be aware of the idea that he is not representative we don't even know if he's autistic that's what i want to say <laughs> um yeah. so yeah. it just seems like it's gonna be it's just you know it's schoolroom politics yes. at its worst oh, it's lunchroom politics at its worst very it's much just, if, even if he is autistic this does not mean that all autistic people are this this way Absolutely. that's just that's all they're trying to say this is and- a, <laughs> this is according to barry Prisant. Uh, a University of Rhode Island professor. He says, my reaction is that, oh, here we go again, Hmm. perpetuating false myths and negativity about the concept of autism and being on the spectrum. It's obviously trying to adhere a black mark to DeSantis. I think there has to be a major pushback against that because it's perpetuating the stigma. I would argue um, I would take Forrest Gump as president right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if autism is necessarily a total negative. As a matter of fact, it can help you be quite positive and uh, it could lead to uh, someone who is policy oriented. Right. Which would also be kind of nice, perhaps. (laughs) That's what I wanted to add. I would totally elect an autistic person. What I will not elect is a fascist. There you go. All right. So let's get to some sound from Ron DeSantis that uh, perhaps leads to some people to believe that he's not the best public speaker because he's not. Let's play this clip. This is uh, it's about a minute and 30, so we can stop and start or just play it throughout. But this is he's at a rally in South Carolina, obviously, South Carolina, um, a strong state for the Republicans. It's not one of those key swing states, of course, because it tends to lean red. Right. So this isn't like when a Democrat is in South Carolina. It's not quite as big of a deal, but this does matter, of course, to Ron DeSantis if he attempts, as he is attempting, to out-mega Donald Trump himself in a state like South Carolina, which has a massive amount of support for Donnie. Let's go on and play the clip. He's attacking me for opposing an immigration amnesty for illegal aliens that he did support when he was president. Two million illegal aliens. He campaigned against that in 2016. So even though he switched to support it as president, I remain true to America first. Can we just pause it there? Isn't it? It's just does not come across as strong to me. Mm. He, He sounds so whiny. Right. And he just, and I, 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 I am, it's just, this is, I think what people were talking about when they said, when you hear him, when you see him perform, your opinion of DeSantis is going to change. Yeah. That's what it sounds to me, but let's just keep on going. I didn't depart from those principles because those principles dictate you do not do uh, an immigration amnesty. He also attacked me for voting against the omnibus bill that he signed in 2018. It was a grotesque omnibus bill, and it's really part of the reason why we're in such dire straits uh, as a country fiscally now. So I didn't bash him then because I didn't. He was taking enough heat, and I wanted him to succeed. All right, let's but that pause was a it disagreement there. we had. Talk about someone with revisionist history. You didn't bash him then. <laughs> so what? Also, what about the term? You know this. If you're explaining and you're losing, yeah. if you tell a joke and have to explain yes, it after, they're not, not laughing. Yeah. Isn't this the definition of that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so many factors. In, in addition to him being unlikable and not knowing how to relate to people and his jokes aren't funny, he's also doing the thing again where he's got to go up against Trump, but he needs the MAGA people, but he's attacking their their king. Why have MAGA light when you can just have the real thing? And that's Donald Trump. Yeah, and of course, MAGA Light, they just got Dylan Mulvaney as their sponsor. <laughs> All right, let's Never. go on. 
And now he's going to say that somehow he was on the right side of that. I just don't buy that. And so I do think, unfortunately, he's decided to move left on some of these issues. And I think it's me that's just being true uh, to kind of what we said uh, we would do. It's also the case that we're proud of what we've been able to do in our state. We won the biggest election landslide that Florida Republicans have ever won. And did he ever say anything like, boy, good job? No, oh, he attacked no. me three days before the midterm election. Aww. And then he started attacking after that. And so I'm just thinking to myself, you're a Florida resident. If I saw an election landslide where we swept every statewide office, super majorities in the legislature, elect 29 conservative school board members, as a Florida resident, I would be cheering for that. If you put the mission first, you would definitely be cheering for that. Mm. He hasn't done that. In fact, we just con- we completed a six-month stretch where we enacted more bold policy than has ever been enacted in the history of our state. And I would put it up against any state in the history of the modern Republican Party. We ever heard like, oh, great job, guys. You're doing a good job. No, <laughs> we hear him trashing Florida. So I'm going to defend my state. I'm going to defend the people of my state, and I'm going to defend uh, what we've been able to do uh, to really put points on the board. All right. He, he was also called a fascist during that speech as well, so when he <laughs> yelled at him. But uh, talk about daddy issues. Uh, wow. Why can't these cucks overcome? <laughs> he didn't say good job. He, he didn't say good job. He's not proud of me. He's not proud of me. What the fuck do I give a shit? If that's going to hurt your feelings, Welcome to being president. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my God. Yeah. That is just such a this is the beginning of the campaign. You're right. He he started off in the mud. He started off with the horrible and down uh, um, announcement with Elon before that things were going down. Yeah. That went things were even further. Now they're even further down. And this is him. He's he is the verbal uh, equivalent of drowning. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Yeah. Doesn't he sound stressed like it's like a like a seagull that bit a fish that, that was too big? Right. And like you said, if you're explaining, you're losing. And he's explaining right away, right off the bat, not only to your point that you just made on how this whole thing started, he has no way to connect to actual people when he's talking to them. He also had trouble connecting to the Internet when he rolled this whole thing out. <laughs> it's He has messed it up on every, I don't think. I have ever seen a presidential candidate with so much heat get so cold so fast. I've never seen it. Right. They threw that thing in the freezer. I agree. They really did. They did. It was a drunken hot pocket night. You put it in the (laughs) freezer and you woke up in the morning. You're like, oh, I forgot I put that in there. And this thing is rock hard. The the key takeaway from this is that he did it to himself. It's not like Trump was that funny and the nicknames are that funny. It's not like, again, I think it's just Marianne preying on those crystals because this man (laughs) is just fucking up left and right. This is so dumb. Let's talk about retail politics. So that's DeSantis behind a podium. You're supposed to sound strong, supposed to sound presidential. Obvious Fs around the board. Now let's talk about glad handing, shaking hands, kissing babies, you know, fluffing uh, gals there. (laughs) Um, Retail. (laughs) Retail politics. This is Ron DeSantis at, again, a New Hampshire event. He is speaking with, uh, with potential constituents. People are taking pictures with him. He gets slightly heckled, which, again, you're running for president. Get fucking used to it. Mm. Maybe presidents need to do one year on the open mic scene. Yeah. For stand up comedy. <laughs> mm, just suck. to get used to total rejection. <laughs> mm. 
And let's play how Ron DeSantis uh, deals with someone who is uh, asking him why he's not taking questions. Why not take any questions from voters, Governor? Governor, how come you're not taking questions from voters? Stop coming up to me, talk to me. What are you talking about? I'm not here working with people. Are you are you blind? Are you blind? Okay, so people are playing Hulk Hogan's theme song. They want to talk to me about. I'm not here working with people. Are you are you blind? Are you blind? Okay, so people are coming up to me, talking to me, whatever they want to talk to me about. Are you blind? Are you blind? Are you blind? Are you blind? Are you also, blind? Are you deaf? Do you want to be a ref? They're using Hulk Hogan's theme song in the background. <laughs> Florida, Florida's finest Hulk Hogan. Absolutely. <laughs> are you blind? Are you blind? Are you blind? That kind of response to the simple inquiry of why aren't you taking questions from people? You know what you do? You go to that person. And you say, I just took a question from you. I'm, I am taking hey, questions from people. Yeah. Did you have a question? Do you Boom. Have a question? Flip it. Instead right. of, are you blind? Yes. <laughs> Also, you could be blind and still hear he's not taking questions. <laughs> right. It's an audio clip. <laughs> so from a performative onstage behind a podium perspective, failure, and then retail politic, total failure. He's just weird. It's it's crazy because, yeah. I mean, if you if you treated a fan like this, if Travis treated a fan like this, if I treated a fan like this, like, whatever, we would be. They would it be, would be bad for it, business. Exactly. But he is supposed to be elected. So who is his campaign manager that's not just going, Ron, we're going to need you to like watch uh, Barney the Dinosaur for a while. Get yeah. polite. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seriously. De-stress anything. What? What makes him relax beyond obviously covering his fingers and pudding? It's just like, find <laughs> something, man. I know. All of, it, all of it is coming together. You know, it's like uh, when you look at a brilliant piece of art and but you just you're very close to it. And mm-hmm. then you slowly step back yes. and then you just see his fingers and pudding. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, that's that's the, the amalgamation of all of the images in my mind is very quickly becoming a man who is just not ready to be president. Right. That's how he acts to the American people. How is he going to act during a state of the union, exactly. a time of crisis? With Xi Jinping. Can you imagine during a time of crisis? Yes. I mean, Trump is one. He's, at least he's asking him to drink bleach. You know, <laughs> that's that's at least uh, great if you're trying to cover up a crime in your throat. Right. <laughs> Can you imagine, Rhonda? A massive hurricane has just hit. Are you blind? <laughs> I'm not a candidate yet. <laughs> uh, well, we're going to. It's like, I just don't. I, yeah. I, I, he he does not have the uh, he's not a comfort blanket at all. I think we're also starting to see truly through the facade because he has no policies. None of that. It's all sensationalism. Well, he's bragged about the six months of policies that he's had. What? And it's been an indictment. Yeah. it's All of his policies have turned around on their face exactly. and been like, bro. They don't like you. That's why Jacksonville has a Democratic mayor for the first time. And right. it's not even or policies. Female. It's not policies with the future in mind. It's just it's stupid, like culture war politics yep. that no one actually cares about. And that I think it's even even with the whole narrative and conservative narrative in everyone's mind. I think people are still starting to see through that facade. Yeah. And when it comes to the culture war, I'm go go on. Oh, I was just going to pick up on your your painting analogy that you made there, Ben. It's, you start up close and then you slowly zoom out. And you, it, he is a Jackson Pollock painting, but with pudding. 
And but that's with it. Putin. <laughs> that's it. Well, when it comes to his policies, even half of Republicans are against some of these book bans, which is interesting because mm. obviously he's going to be running in a, uh, in a Republican primary. An NPR Ipsos poll shows 51% of Republicans oppose state lawmakers passing laws to ban certain books and removing them from classrooms. Again, an indictment mm-hmm. on DeSantis's exactly. social wars. We also have a situation happening right now in Arkansas where Arkansas librarians have filed a lawsuit against the state for its latest book ban. And this is now going, once you open up Pandora's box, this is going to be going all, this is going to affect all forms of books. The Bible, as a matter of fact, was just taken out of a, was just taken out of a library because someone from the left thought that it was offensive. Books are books. The Bible belongs there. So does the Quran. Yes. We need every books are books. You know, we need the Bible is a historical thing. Certainly people base a lot of policy off of it. So thumb through it and know what these morons are talking about. Right. right. Read, read the the, the religious books. Who cares? This is good for the brain. It's good for the soul. Makes you a critical thinker. So Book book bans from the right or the left. I don't think the American people at our core, when we hear book bans, I just don't think it sits well. That's like fascist 1984 stuff. I don't think any any American with the First Amendment in mind would never agree to any book, regardless of how heinous or how religious or whatever it is, would be banned. That's ridiculous. No, you That's, just have to people want to read what they want to read. And as long as, again, don't read it if you don't want to. You can read fucking Mein Kampf, Just uh, you can't go and kill a bunch of people. Right. So right. Read the fucking book if you really want to learn what an, what an idiot thinks. Right. And, and also, I think this just illustrates the the return maybe to the center a little bit. The return to sanity from some of these fringes. Um, you know, yeah. there's there's a lot of good articles and pieces being done about again the well, there's the wokeness on the left or these fascisms on the right. People are allowed to engage with ideas, debate ideas, and make their own decisions on ideas. And I think maybe this independent voter, this independent class of voter that's just kind of always trapped in the middle of all these culture wars, you gotta right. wonder if they're gonna start standing up and be like, you know what? Everybody just calm down. I'd like to read this book. Well, it's an interesting point. I was reading an article on Kevin McCarthy. Obviously, the debt uh, ceiling, the it did pass the House. It will be signed by Joe Biden on Monday. He's going to give a speech oh, followed God. by him Please falling don't fall. down. Please don't fall. Oh, no. He hey, needs uh, to come. Hey there. Uh, I, got, I want to say something here about the debt ceiling, and then I'm going to hit the floor. Thank you. Hit the floor. <laughs> he needs to come out bubble wrapped. Just make a joke out of it yeah, at this point. Truly. Kevin McCarthy, there was a whole article saying, is this the return of the normal Republican? Now, obviously, we can argue policy all day long because a lot of people within his caucus were super upset. Crazy. And, you know, right. It's like liberals and libertarians were both pissed because Mm -hmm. the bill is like insane. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. Uh, It didn't do anything good, (laughs) but it (laughs) passed. And I think it's a political winner for Joe. Joe Manchin definitely got everything he wanted. (laughs) <laughs> yep, Joe got everything he wanted and Travis made a great point before the show so it doesn't if the if anything would be changed in the bill in the in the, in the Senate, Senate they would yeah. have to go back to the house which is why Travis believes they put the pipeline uh, line in there before it even went to the Senate because right. they knew that was going to be Manchin's yes. big point right. and right. yada yada yada. Anyway, it's going to be signed. Well, uh so we'll see is is that the return to normalcy that some people are predicting? I definitely think a lot of people are exhausted. Right. <laughs> yeah. That is for sure, including everyone running for president. Well, I mean, with with like, for example, with the Bible getting banned, I think they will know 
they will see that the same crazy tactics mm. they're using against the woke left can be used against the crazy conservative That's right. That's why we just have to live in a world where you allow people to do what they want. Like, yep. America, don't you hurt mean. each other. America. Yeah. <laughs> Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Well, speaking of fascists, again, man, no one loves a drag or a pride parade more than a fucking fascist. They they all all seem to be showing up. up. They love them. There's a Tennessee pride event. Oh, God forbid. Um, You know, also, you don't have to go to it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Stay home. You can do that too, or <laughs> yeah. not care that people have a bunch of banana hammocks and buttocks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. It's fine. I gotta go. Anyway. I gotta I gotta yell and I gotta look closely. It seems like the people of the Aryan nation are just so horny and desperate oh. to see cock that they gotta go protest it. <laughs> this event is being hosted during the Mid-South Pride Festival, and there's been a lot of concern that the Aryan nations are going to show up and protest. Obviously, we've seen this now in the past. We saw it in Ohio. Uh, we've seen it all over the country, um, outside of bars that are showing drag performances. Man, if you put you want to find where the Nazis are, you just put on a dress and start singing. And for some <laughs> right. reason, they show up. I'm not here because I like it. I'm here because I hate it. I hate the way it makes me feel. What the fuck is gayer than not even participating in the parade and going to it? Just attending. Oh, my God. You're just a spectacle. I mean, God, you look like a rejected member of the village people, for fuck's sake. I like it when when men were men like... uh, Dolph Lundgren. Oh, nah. mm, you ever yum. see a fucking 80s action movie? There's nothing gayer <laughs> than an 80s action movie. The, so. I'm too sexy for my shirt, guys. They all yeah. all Aryans look like those two guys to me. I just love Right Said Fred. <laughs> I love Right Said Fred. He's like a man. He's a manly man. Like Vladimir Putin where he's shirtless. He's a manly man. <laughs> mm. Now this is actually going even further than just the parade streets of Tennessee or the drag shows of Ohio. The Pentagon has banned all drag shows on military bases after GOP pressure. You know what, man? If you are strong enough to serve our military and they, you want to go and watch drag queens, go fucking do it. Mm. Wow. Why is this? What do? Wow. Don't go. If you're in the military and you don't want to go, don't go. Don't go. And go. if you do want to go, you go. You go. And then that's it. Mm. What are we doing? Why why does this matter? Also, I think there's something very ironic about fighting true fascism overseas in a dress. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's true. So the uh, the Pentagon, they have officially banned it. Uh, The move became public after Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and the Joint Chiefs of Staff Chairman General Mark Milley. Aren't we going to war? Yeah. By the way. Right. Anyway, I guess this is something they really got to they really got to stop. They stepped in to stop the drag show at Nellis Air Force Base in Nevada, which was scheduled for uh, Thursday of this past week. Um, okay. LGBT groups have been, uh, have, uh, groups have slammed the apparent shift from the Pentagon, noting the U.S. has a long history of supporting drag shows going back to World War One. Yep. Um, mm. So there you go. Just more needless culture war bullshit uh, <laughs> trickulating right. up to now the uh, United States military, a place that ironically enough has 
Uh, I mean, other than all the fa- all the times it was not inclusive. Right. But the military does pride itself on inclusion. Right. They say that you got to do one thing at a bleed red, right and blue and be willing to do it on the floor as you take your last breath for this country. <laughs> sure, you're right. Um, and now they're getting involved in the culture war stuff. Who cares? Why? We just had that recruiter who was uh, also a drag performer. So this is just, you know, this again, biting, uh, turning back on something they should be progressive on. If they want on. skinny or fucking military, we, <laughs> you get, get more gay people. You got to get athletic Us dudes. straights don't give a fuck. <laughs> I'm like, I don't care. There's power in a gut. What bothers me the most is that it's okay if these guys are going to die, but it's not okay if these guys want to wear a dress and sing Shakira. It's just stupid. Mike Johnson, he's a Republican out of Louisiana. He says, glad the Pentagon has made clear this shouldn't be allowed. You're ridiculous. He says, China is building hypersonic missiles. Will the U.S. Secretary of Defense is being forced to explain why drag shows are happening on military bases? He wasn't forced to, number one. Also, the U.S. is building a lot of hypersonic <laughs> right. missiles as well. Right. I'm not worried. It's not mutually exclusive. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> like, that's going to, if one drag show takes away $1 trillion from the military. The fact, and he goes on to say, the fact that these events were scheduled once again calls into question the priorities of our military's leadership. Oh, my God. Buddy, you're being anti-military, you're being anti-troop. And I'm really, again, not worried. We are the strongest military in the world. And uh, people will find that out. Again, perhaps I'm a little bit more um, confident, again, because we're covering the the, uh, Manhattan Project. But the U.S. hasn't been behind the eight ball in a very long time when it comes to military. We're okay. We got it. Right. And and at this point in this latest budget, because of this latest compromise on the debt ceiling, it's an eight hundred sixty six billion dollar ball. So it's right. we're very much on top of our military. It does not matter. Yes, also, I mean, you brought up the, the village people, Ben. I just want to point out one of the greatest village people songs in the Navy. There's nothing gayer than the Navy. <laughs> they literally are on giant vessels full of semen. Yes, they are. And those boys, I mean, you know, they're having sex with each other. It's got to happen. I mean, how? We're on a boat, Ben. What are we going to do? Loneliness. I mean, just you're on cots right next to each other. What's the difference here? I mean, you're already smelling someone else's asshole. You might as well be in it. I don't I don't understand the fear. If you're worried about our military prowess, I mean, watch some watch an eight year old play Call of Duty or Fortnite. I'm not like, concerned. Like, exactly. Yeah. Like, we're fine. We're good. Um, there was just a. Uh, a, a drone went rogue in a simulation and it did kill one of the military people. So there are some worries. Oh, but wow. anyway, let's move on. <laughs> just lastly, when it comes to the CIA, there are suspected Chinese spies dis- in disguise and they have been uh, they tried to enter an Alaska military base. Uh, maybe they were wearing drag. <laughs> oh, now that now that's a scandal. Sus- suspected uh, Chinese spies disguised as tourists have repeatedly attempted to enter U.S. military bases in Alaska in recent years. Uh, the Chinese citizens have been apprehended trying to gain entry at bases like Fort Wainwright in Fairbanks, where soldiers on one occasion searched a vehicle that had blown past a checkpoint and found a drone. Why is this interesting? Because the head of the CIA, uh, William Burns, he just made a secret trip to China. Now, I would imagine that they are discussing what we've been discussing a lot on side stories, the drones mm-hmm. and the balloons, the all of these different surveillance uh, right, right. technologies mm. that the Chinese have been levying against uh, Americans. So it's interesting from the spy games, um, you know, right, right. from the spy games perspective, the head of the CIA going to meet 
with the leader of China. That's basically, I mean, that's the head, if you want to use a cliche, right. that's the head of the deep state mm-hmm. meeting with the head of the red state, which right. is one of the most corrupt, horrible countries in the world when it comes to civil rights or are they go is he going over there for tips how's that social monitoring program going Ooh. how's that com- for compromise oh, exactly. or or to find out how to put on a good drag show at a military base you never <laughs> know yeah, these, yeah, these yeah. chinese balloons have been really hovering over all the drag shows i think they want to see how the good makeup looks <laughs> i i do think it is really interesting though this this visit took place in may and um Last month, uh, this is according to Reuters. This is what one of the officials told Reuters. They say last month, Director Burns traveled to Beijing where he met Chinese counterparts and emphasized the importance of maintaining open lines of communication in intelligence channels. So they are, this is an interesting development, certainly a uh, sort of sort of a uh, invisible Cold War mm-hmm. when it comes to a tech Cold War. And you wonder if this is a sign where they say we if we don't work together, we're all fucked. Absolutely. Especially with with, with Russia and the, how emboldened it's become. Maybe it, the U.S. is seeing the reality of, hey, you're next door to this guy. Let's right. just work together. Let's figure it out. Together. And then from a human perspective, from a citizen perspective, to your point, Fernando, are they going over there to learn? How, mm. Where are the cameras on the Roomba? Can because we get those two? You know, they <laughs> right. are truly the best when it comes to the social credit system. You know mm-hmm. what the Chinese have in place for their citizens, man. It ain't easy. Now, you better tow that line or you're going to end up, you know, truly fucked. You don't want to be on the wrong side of that one. You're gone, dude. You're done. So it's interesting um, that the head of the CIA would go over there and have this conversation with the head of, I'm not sure what the Chinese CIA yeah, yeah, is, yeah. but whatever the head of their intelligence uh, community is. Mm. Because certainly we can learn a lot from each other and that could be very bad for all of us. Well, keep in mind, you can't spell China without C-I-A. You you really can't. Do you think it's kind of like a spy versus spy meeting or more like a 007 meeting? You know, like- I'm not. <laughs> sh- well, that's what's just so interesting. I think they might want to find out what the tech is. What did they recover from the balloons? What information, uh, you know, they have been able to glean? I don't know. I mean, yeah. it's a really interesting turn of events. And when we talk about politicians going overseas, usually there's a camera. Right. When it comes to the CIA, there's, there's a reason we're just finding out about this now. And right. it happened a month, a month ago. Yeah. Right. A month later. Um, because this is real uh, espionage type activity. Clandestine. Um, yes. According to Jake Sullivan, this is what he had to say. Um, he says, without preconditions on nuclear arms control, uh, Beijing has been uh, unwilling to do any preconditions on nuclear arms. He doesn't believe that we should be talking. This is what Sullivan said in a speech at the Arms Control Association. He says, simply put, we have not yet seen a willingness for the People's Republic of China to compartmentalize strategic stability from broader issues in the relationship, a.k.a. we're talking proliferation, we're talking nuclear weapons. And uh, he goes on to say, That's why we're also ready to engage China without preconditions, helping ensure that competition is managed, that competition does not veer into conflict. We'll see what the PRC does. Mm. It looks as if, again, the intelligence communities are coming together and saying, how bad do you want this to get? Mm -hmm. Wow. Right. Spy games in in plain sight. That's that's crazy. They sent him back on a balloon. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be fun. (laughs) Oh, like the Wizard of Oz. Fun. (laughs) So those are the serious things happening behind the scenes as our... Current president falls down. A potential president <laughs> eats 
yogurt with his fingers. Another president tweets from the toilet. I mean, or, or truths from the toilet. Another presidential candidate praises uh, gemstones and rocks. One yeah. wants voters to be 25. And the most rational one seems to be RFK Jr. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm liking Tim Scott more and more. Tim Scott? Yeah, I'm liking okay, him more yeah. and more. He's nice and calm. Well, he's he's not doing anything crazy. He's just perhaps, talking facts. Perhaps you know? a wolf in sheep's clothing there, but... I'm joking. Um, <laughs> all right, yeah. He is, uh, by, by the person... By, it's about who's around. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. It's, it's almost charming. It's a great oh. curve, if you will. Yeah, it is. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening to these uh, shows this week. We'll be back next week. There'll be a bunch of stuff to cover, as always. Take care of yourselves, everyone. Hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.